This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast. It is a podcast about learning to fly and flying uh, later in life. And this is episode three called uh, Flight Training Horror Stories. And uh, we're glad you're here. My name is Chris Moran, also known as the Midlife Pilot on YouTube. And um, we're glad that you're here for episode three. If you are uh, with us tonight, uh, it's being recorded on Wednesday, November 3rd. If you're here live in the uh, YouTube or uh, Facebook uh, chat, make sure you say hello, leave some comments. We're going to get to a lot of your interactions as we get going here later on tonight. Uh, and talking about some of your flight training horror stories. But before we get too far into that, I would be remiss if we did not welcome in the better half of the Midlife Pilot podcast <laughs> and a very fresh new Midlife Pilot, Brian Siskind. Hello, sir. <laughs> quite quite a stretch, but I like the intro. Um, more superlatives, find them if you can. Uh, but I'll, I'll take that. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah, man, how's it going? It's we've, we've actually had to try really hard to not do our sort of small talk and chit chat and sort of catch up. We can do it now for, for everyone, because I, I know you have some uh, recent flights and some recent goings on that you want to sort of uh, talk about. And I, you know, I would like to get to that before anything, uh, but it's, it's great to be here. And, uh, and I hope everybody's been enjoying it so far. I certainly have. And uh, it looks like the, uh, the audio only audience is starting to sort of pick up all the syndication starting to get out and everything. So um so it's cool to just start something new and, and see what happens. Maybe there's more people like us, and I guess there are. For sure. It is cool, and I've been tracking that as well. So if you haven't yet had a chance to uh, grab it on your podcast provider of choice, it is pretty much everywhere now. Just search uh, Midlife Pilot Podcast and subscribe. Like it, of course, and leave a comment if you want to. We're going to add a segment here as we get going with some uh, re podcast reviews uh, as we get going through uh, as well. and be reading those on the podcast is coming up. So, yeah. Um, it's been a, I got to fly uh, some on Monday. I, that's what I was going to do. I was going to see if I could figure out how to easily share my screen with everybody. Here. It had been a minute, right? You said it had been about a month. Is that right? It had been. And uh, so I hadn't, I hadn't been getting out very much. Uh, there's a, a new video coming out next week uh, that is Cecilia and I flying locally here at sunset. It was pretty nice. Fall leaves in West Virginia, you know, they're they're pretty much peak in some areas right now. So it was super nice. Uh, so we got to do that here. Uh, but just this week on Monday. So I'm going to I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of this story as to not bore everybody to death with this. But we have a flying club here. Um, my Cherokee is in it. Um, my Cherokee's in the club. We have a 172 that you saw most of my training in, which was the um, uh, 3852 Lima. It has been out of service for two months now, practically. I uh, had a goose strike. One of our members hit geese on landing. And so we have been trying to find parts to make the repairs and whatnot that we've needed to do. Well, we have finally um, 
we we found the the little um the wing um oh, what are they called they're just like the little uh the little spacers uh that the actual leading edge sheet metal attaches to and that's that's a specific alloy aluminum you know that they make the um leading edge out of could not find a leading edge for this wing uh and so we are with uh with our amp we found the appropriate alloy but the nearest place i could find the specific aluminum was in uh toledo ohio which is like you know a five and a half hour drive effectively from here or a two-hour flight roughly in the cherokee well i needed a two foot wide by like eight foot long piece of this aluminum so I went up with a tape measure to the Cherokee. Like, I'm like, oh, I can kind of get it through the door. If I bend it, you know, it's going to be like making this arc and go all the way back. Not like bend it to crease it, but, you know, like smooth bend. Anyway, long story short, I, I went to, I flew the Cherokee to Toledo, picked up the sheet metal, and I want to show you just a couple pictures. Let's see if this works. Uh, is that sharing that would be the question. All right. Yeah. So there's, there's a look of the trip. Um, that was part of my trip to Toledo. Um which was super cool. And let me show you a picture of the sheet metal because it is hilarious. Um, this is it in the back of a van. So that is like a full size van. Um, but we man I managed to get it back to Fairmont, uh, and took it to a place and we're working on getting it bent with the appropriate shape of the, you know, the leading edge and stuff. So that's, that was an exciting trip. Um, I got to make on Monday. It was about 35 knot tailwind coming back at 7,500 feet. So it took me like an hour and 25 minutes back. It took me two hours and five minutes there. Um, but it was a great, it was just a great time by myself, like some cross country flying and like, you know, navigating clouds as you can see there, as you saw there. And so it was a good, it was a good experience. Wow. So you were, <laughs> so you were sort of on a rescue mission or you had, people always talk about you should have a mission, right? Or whatever. So there was a mission. You're, you're like, this has got to happen and I've got to get to Toledo. My, my, my flight club depends on me right now. Exactly. So I was pretty excited. Got to do that this week and um, still haven't got my first instrument lesson in. We're still working to get that started, but um, that was a good, uh, you know, three and a half to four hours log there on Monday. Um, with a mission. So it was, a, it was a pretty good, pretty good experience. What about you? Have you been, I uh, keep following you on social media. It looks like you've been flying. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, I have a friend in town right now from LA. So uh, I took him up for his first ride in a general aviation aircraft, just a nice sunset flight. Nothing, nothing terribly exciting, but it's always interesting, right? Like it doesn't matter how pedestrian the flight is or non-eventful it seems to be. Uh, there's always something you get out of it. And for me, it was, uh, you know, our airport is completely under construction and changing constantly. And the flight school planes get put in all these different places all the time. And at this, uh, for this one, it was deep in sort of the forest of hangars and all, all the construction had it. Like I would go down to the end and realize it's blocked off, have to do a really tight 360, come back down, try the other way out have to do another 360. I spent about half the time taxing, just trying to get in and out of where the plane was supposed to be. Uh, so that's part of the the pleasures and, and pains of being in a, a growing, rebuilding uh, airport. But uh, other than that, the, the flight itself uneventful and, and really nice. He's looking for a, uh, he's looking to relocate back here. And so we actually kind of got to use it as recon to sort of go 
and uh, get a sense of some of these areas out west of uh, where we are here in Nashville and where he's looking and like, oh, what's, you know, what's near that water? Or, that forest looks nice or whatever. And helped him with his house search a little bit, but ultimately just kind of hanging out. Nothing crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what? Okay. The title of today's episode is Flight Training Horror Stories. And uh, when you sent that to me earlier this week, I was started to think through back through some of my training and thinking about myself and my own experiences. And I thought, man, I don't have any like, I can't think of like a lot of massive things that I would consider horror stories. You know, like um, there are plenty of memorable moments. I, maybe some of those will be like things that have stuck with me or like, moments that stood out because they scared me or they were like a really bad experience for my CFI. Maybe I scared my CFI, um, <laughs> those kind of things. But I'm curious to hear from you and definitely curious to hear from everybody who's hanging out in the chat tonight. Uh, some of their training horror stories that they can leave in there and we'll get to those too. But what about you? Do you have, do you have things that come to mind from your training? I mean, you know, I, I think everybody's got different uh, experiences, obviously, and you know, a horror story to that level of term. Some people really actually have horror stories. I don't think that either one of us really have true horror stories. We just have moments where we were upset on, with ourselves or difficult on ourselves or something scary happened, but it wasn't, uh, you know, some people really have uh, bad experiences or really trying experiences. My experience, I think, that stands out to me because I was trying to think about it from the perspective of now that I've got my, my license, what are the things that maybe still stick with me a little bit where I still kind of think about it? It's still in my head. And I think that what it was for me was uh, during check ride prep. So all during training, I never had any problem with stalls, no anxiety about it, nothing. Always went fine, always did them fine, never really had to work on them that much. Um, everything was always just fine with stalls. I was never, it was the least of my concerns. Then when we got into check ride prep for whatever reason, just, I don't know. There's just something about the check ride prep time. You just tense up. I think, I don't know, at least I did, you know, everything starts to, you start to hyperanalyze everything and you you don't have that kind of, kind of happy go lucky. Like I get to fly and let me just kind of happen through this. And, uh, and you're relaxed at least, but I started doing a lot of stabbing kind of movements and a lot of over controlling and stuff that wasn't really typical. So I can show you an example here of uh, what happened when we were doing some power on stalls. And then we had this moment, it'll start with, um, it'll start with a, uh, what I believe to be the, <laughs> the cause. I mean, ultimately I'm the cause, but it's interesting to go back uh, again. We were talking about the value of recording your training. This is, this is really helpful for me, but also, uh, it's nice to be able to go back and relive my own trauma, but check this out. This is basically me doing power on stall during check ride prep. Let's see if you can, you can see it and hear everything, right? Yep. So I had, so I had just done one and, and uh, just kind of wasn't staying with the right rudder. And so my instructor is basically telling me, you know, what they always say. So, so that's me. I'm just like, I've got to try one more, right? I'm sure you were stubborn like this too, Chris. Um, but uh, so here's me trying one more and really taking to heart the uh, request for right rudder.
All right, so here we go. <laughs> Look at me. I, I mean, I'm apologizing. All my my tablet flew off. I mean, you, you can't see, but everything in the cabin of the plane went everywhere. Wow. Uh, that was actually quite violent. It, it seems a lot smoother on GoPros, right? But uh, basically, sort of a, a wing over, borderline, incipient spin scenario. And it freaked me out. And the rest of this whole check ride prep, I mean, I was just, I don't know, just that sort of tail between your legs, staying with you. Even when I was doing emergency drills later and the landing and just whatever else I was doing, I was, I was so screwed up by that. I was, cause I really was afraid. I mean, it was, even if we got into a spin up, I don't have any spin training. I'd like to do it, but, and I do know what to do. I understand the aerodynamics of it all, but to experience that when you're not expecting it and you realize all of a sudden it's kind of like if you've been riding a bike all the time on the same route all the time and you never have any problems. And so you just kind of just do it. And then one day, just for whatever reason, the tires just go out from underneath you in an mm -hmm. instant. And then you're scratched up on the pavement. Like what just happened? That's how it felt. It was this kind of uh, jarring uh, experience. So anyway, for, for me, uh, it, it's, I have not like since I've gotten my since my check ride I've done zero stalls. I don't do them by myself. I'm I'm actually apprehensive about doing them by myself or with non-pilots or whatever in the plane. And that's probably not rational, but that's that's what these horror story kind of scenarios can kind of do for you. They can kind of stick with you. So I, I I'm fine, right? Like I, ultimately all it was was I was not getting slow enough in the power on stall to begin with. And, and I was taking too long to get into the stall for it to break. So I was just really prolonging the need for this, uh, rudder control, rudder control, rudder control, rudder, you know, and then, and then it breaks and it's just too much. So basically I've finally figured out, just get it really, really, really painfully slow and, and get into the stall very quickly. And then you're not having to rely on, you know, this insane amount of teetering rudder control for too long. But anyway, that's, mm -hmm. that's basically my, uh, that's my show and tell. I've showed it before and talked about it before. Um, I think probably my biggest one was that uh, early on in my time with Tyler, um, we were doing touch and goes like we did from the beginning of training at Clarksburg. And it was probably my third or fourth, um, third or fourth lesson. And um, I went full power for touch and go before I retracted any of the flaps. But I mean, just for a minute, like got the power in there just for a second or two. And Tyler's like, well, well, got to pull the flaps up. And in just that amount of time, we were still fast enough. And there was enough energy that like, you know, there wasn't much contact with the wheels and the pavement anymore. And so things were sideways and we were kind of like, I felt like we were going to like be in trouble off the side of the runway and Tyler took over and then laughed at me. And then we went on about our merry way. Like it was no big deal, but that has stuck with me. I have not even considered ever not bringing flaps up before I, I mean, that's, you know, not just like doing it, but like looking at each side and making sure they're up, you know, and just like that stuck with me. I mean, I, I don't know that I'll ever make that mistake. I mean, it's, um, it, it scared me and I we guess have, I'm pretty fortunate. We have that one in common. I guess it's, I'm pretty fortunate if that's the, you know, that's the, 
most fear I think I've had, um, in a, in a, in a training environment, but, um, yeah, it was, it stuck with me for sure. It just felt out of control. You know, I just felt like there was nothing I could do to get this thing back where it's supposed to be. So again, I've, I have the same experience, right? Uh, the same wheel bearing, the, I just wheel barrowing. I, f- I forgot the, uh, the flaps. I do the same thing. It's like, it's actually a good thing, right? Because if you, uh, especially have, you know, uh, motor, right? Like a, a Cessna motorized, uh, electric flaps. I mean, you want to make sure that, uh, I mean, they're on the same motor. So if there's no, there's not going to be asymmetrical relative to the motor, but you want to see it. So I, I think it's a good idea to, to be looking and all that. I'm, I'm kind of freakishly paranoid about that. I don't even put flat down flaps down, uh, in a turn. I, I started off that way. I've, I've, got, I've gotten slo- a little bit sloppy about that. Uh, that is a good tip, you know, just in the event that something went asymmetrical, especially to the side that you were banked to, and then you may not have enough authority to get back, you know, over. I mean, I understand the logic. I've gotten just a little bit sloppy, I think, about that. Um, you know, there was one other good since we're talking about flaps and things that could potentially have been scary. Um, I was with Tyler. We were cross-country once. uh during my training and we were flying down around the Elkins area and, um, we lost our, um, it was a generator at that time. We hadn't upgraded 172, the 172 to a, uh, to an alternator yet. So it still had a generator, lost our generator and we noticed it, um, with the light on the panel that we weren't making any electricity. So we were on our way back to Fairmont and, um, you know, we turned every, like you like you do, you turn all the unnecessary stuff off and you try to conserve, you know, battery power and whatever. And as we were coming back into Fairmont, if you've seen enough of these videos, you know, it's about a 3,000 foot strip. There's, it's a little bit of a challenging place to get out of. There's a terrain on one end. And, um, well, anyway, so we're, we're setting up for the pattern and I'm talking through what I'm going to do and I'm getting ready to put flaps in. And they're electric flaps, like you say, in this 172. And Tyler said, don't, don't put those, don't put any flaps in. I said, what do you mean, don't put any flaps in? It's like a 3,000, 2,800 foot runway. What do you mean, no flaps? He said, well, he said, what? what if we run out? What if the battery dies? You got 30 degrees of flaps and the battery dies. You got to go around and we can't get out. Like mm. don't put any flaps in. So we ended up, you know, there's a no flap landing, but I thought, wow. And that's something else that stuck with me. You know, I thought at that point in my training, that would have not even crossed my mind. Mm. The thought that what if you get your flaps out, you get down in that little you know valley almost, and then you have to go around, but you can't out climb the hill at the end, you know, yeah. but that's, that's what a great lesson. Um, I don't yeah. have to worry about that in the Cherokee, you know, with the Johnson bar, it's like, yeah. that's what I love about those manual flaps. I mean, just get them in and out, uh, anytime, but, um, what, did you negotiate with Tyler for 10 degrees? I can't remember. We may have. He may have let me do 10. We may have got there. But, you know, I would have just went barreling in there like my normal routine. And who knows? Yeah. So that was a good yeah. I thought that was a good one. So many little things like that that you realize later on. I mean, you know, I'm sure the Tyler said the same thing to you. In fact, I'm sure he did. Uh, my instructor did the same thing. There were so many moments where I did things like I had the same flap uh, uh, freak out that you that you did. Um you know, better to have those things happen while that's why you trained that, you know, um, how grateful I was to have somebody just to go, uh, your controls, like, please, uh, in those moments. And, and, uh, it takes a lot now to get to the point where, uh, I've, you've made all those mistakes. That's why, like when people talk about with this kind of bravado, you know, I, well, I got my license in 43 hours or whatever, or I soloed in, you know, Chris Moran, uh, Eight, 8.4 hours or whatever. But you know, I, I like teasing you about that. But, you know, but the whole thing is like, 
I never, I never think that's a good thing. Maybe that's a midlife pilot thing, right? Like it's sort of like a, that the bravado of, of youth makes you proud to sort of, you know, rush through something, I suppose. But in our older age, it's more like, man, that's a lot of mistakes you didn't get to make. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Important to point out, uh, the, despite the fact that I may have been scared on a couple of those occasions, Kevin Webb points out Tyler does not get scared, my instructor, yeah. which I can, uh, I don't know that I've ever seen him. I don't think I've ever, I don't know that I've ever seen him scared. If he does get scared, he doesn't show it. That's for sure. He he's, he has a bonanza, right? Is that what you showed one time? No, he, he has a, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, 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 he bought a. Is it, does he have a, what is his plane? Is this a Tabria? I don't know. He oh. bought a, uh, he bought an aerobatic plane. Um, it's actually, of course been down for, yeah, why not? But it's a tailwheel. That's, he keeps trying to get me to go up, uh, and start working on my tailwheel with him, which mm. I, I want to do. I think that would be super fun, but I'm not a little guy. Uh, although his, his plane can do it. We were trying to go up in the cub before there. Yeah. It's a Satabria. Okay. It's cool. It's yellow. It's awesome. Yeah, so I see this here. Uh, somebody was talking about uh, Dan Grider crashed at 150 because his flap stuck at 40 on a go around. And it's like, uh, how many things not to say right now? Uh, right. That's all. Yeah. Uh- um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Dan has all the answers. So um, there we go. I'm sure he figured that out. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he solved that one. But I definitely want to hear other people's uh, stories. So let's get them in here. Yeah, let's go through some of these. These are great. Uh, let's start here. Fergeek says, in my first cross-country solo in R22, I didn't account for pattern work at each airport. And four miles from home, my fuel light came on. I had to land in a baseball field. Oh. And my instructor brought me gas. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Uh, BG. Oh. Oh, I have a question right. about that though. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when you landed on the baseball field, um, did you line up like with the bases? Were you running like, how did, how far, how, how far did you have to go? Uh, were you worried about the fence? Is he talking is, about, is R22? I mean, is he talking about, is that a Robinson helicopter? It must be. Uh, yeah. I think, I think he's talking about R22, a Robinson R22. Um, which makes that a little bit more manageable, I suppose. Actually, a lot more manageable. Um, Stinky Weasel. Stall is definitely my biggest fear block. First time doing it, had a 60-degree bank that made me timid for weeks. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I think a lot of those things is just about what are you expecting to happen versus what actually happens. And if it's not that uh, a harsh bank is particularly, it can be maybe unnerving sometimes or whatever, but it's just when you don't know that that's what's going to happen. Right. Uh, and, uh, and when you're training, you, you, at least for me, my response was to kind of freeze, which that's what scared me actually the most. I have to be totally straight up about that is you want to feel like I understand what's going on. I will respond in these ways or whatever, but under that duress with not complete training under my belt, uh, I really felt the paralysis of of just inaction, uh, and that freaked me out. So, uh, but yeah, sixty degrees—that's that's no joke. One doll geek says, due to a prop strike by someone else in the flight school, I had to switch from a Cessna one seventy two to a Piper Cherokee for training, which is not spin rated. 
my first stalls in the Cherokee, I felt like we nearly spent. CFI was like, nah, you're okay. Uh, and uh, Adam points out it's very hard to actually spin a trainer, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, it really doesn't. I mean, that's the thing is like you can you can know all of these things intellectually, but then when you're when you're starting to careen, uh you're not thinking about, uh, you know, oh, how docile this trainer is. You're like, oh, S. Mm. I'm scrolling down to get, there's a mm. big story. Oh, yeah, this is hilarious. Okay, yeah, fantastic. I'm going to go through. This is a big, long story, but we're going to go through it. Adam says, our aircraft had a very nice Garmin that gave us ADSB traffic alerts. My instructor and I were out in the practice area when it alerted us to traffic literally on top of us. My instructor took control without a handoff and silently evaded for a few minutes while we both looked everywhere for another aircraft. I was alarmed for a few seconds, but because I work in software, I was less inclined to trust the machines on this. Mm -hmm. He was certain it was a drone, which I've learned is very common reaction when pilots don't understand what they're seeing. Later, I learned from other pilots, this is a Tisby ghost, a radar contact broadcast from the ground that our Garmin could not immediately identify was actually your own aircraft. I, I still have that happen periodically as well, and it did freak me out the first few times, too. And if you've never seen it, it is kind of a weird phenomenon where, you know, your actual ADS-B receiver in your airplane is not only receiving transmissions from other aircraft, you know, uh, but also um, ground-based delivery from ADS-B towers on the ground. So it's receiving... Well, I shouldn't... I mean, I shouldn't assume... M most are dual bands, so they're receiving both of those at the same time. And sometimes the ground-based message to your ADS-B receiver, uh, your device just doesn't interpret it properly as your own airship and shows it as another target. And uh, it can freak you out real good uh, the first couple of times when, when four flight comes on and says, traffic, six o'clock, very close, same altitude. Like, and you're looking on your thing and it's like right on your tail. It's like, mm, yeah. yeah. Or it'll show you like 100 feet below you or something. It, yeah. That, I've had that happen as well. By the way, Adam, uh, so I was looking around for, uh, other people that had, uh, maybe recorded some flight videos in and around my airport here in Nashville. And I came across, uh, Adam's videos flying the same plane that I, I trained in and, and rent all the time. And, uh, and so it's been great to, you know, this is what it's all about for me. Like I said, from the very beginning, I've been able to sort of find and connect with a lot of different people that, because a lot of flight training can be pretty isolating. Uh, and so it's nice to sort of have uh, ways to connect people. So welcome, Adam, and I'm glad to have uh, you here. And uh, and uh, he said that he would like to go fly with me after he's done uh, getting used to being a parent. He just had a, had a child. So congratulations, oh, wow. Adam, and uh, and we'll, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Uh, but that's really that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to get the rest of Michael Young is in here. There may be more to this story that we're not seeing. It starts with runway, and I don't think that's right. I think there might be more to that story that we're not seeing. I guess we don't really have the best format for storytelling. Maybe we should just get him in here. Yeah, for sure. We have to start sending links to people who want to join. I mean, I guess we could do that. I mean, at, at our own peril or risk. <laughs> maybe not right now on the fly, but mm. when we plan that out a little bit better, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do that. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to point out also that one dull geek also has a 
check ride scheduled officially a Christmas check ride. Uh, he's officially in polish mode. December 8th is his check ride. So that is fantastic. Congratulations on yeah, that. That's, step. that's awesome. And, and, uh, he's got a great airplane too, uh, that he's been, that he purchased and has been training and that I've seen on the, uh, on the YouTubes. And it, it makes me, uh, very envious. I would like to one day be one of those people that has an airplane. Uh, but congrats. Yeah. Get that check ride done. It's the best. It is the best feeling, um, to get that done. You know, we had a, it's always been other people that have scared me as more than myself in many Mm -hmm. cases. Like I can think of three instances in training when he was talking, they were talking about, you know, um, other, just other planes and other people doing things that are unexpected. Like, we had a, um, I did a night, uh, night cross country flight with, um, Tyler to, we went to, uh, Allegheny County, Pittsburgh, just outside of Pittsburgh at night. And it was cool. Super cool. I don't like night flying. I mean, I think I've mentioned before, I don't like to fly. I just, I think it's, I just don't like the extra risk of not, you know, if you have to land somewhere and you can't see where you're going, but, um, anyway, we were, we were going to Allegheny County and, uh, it was like one of my very first night flights and, um, there was another, you can just tell sometimes when you hear people on the radio, like you already get a bad vibe about this person. Like if you were to like prejudge someone as a pilot just by hearing them on the radio. Right. So we, there was yeah. a guy, I swear he sounded like he was 107 and he was like in a bonanza or something. And we were, we were coming left base, pretty much way extended left base for the runway. And this guy was coming on a right down. So he, they were extending him out. He was to follow us. Like they'd already cleared that guy, like number three behind us. And so this whole time, we you know, we kind of see him as he goes, you know, it's easy to see at night. Like we see him out there and whatever, Well, he never, he, he acted, he acknowledged that he, that he had seen us and it took his landing clearance, you know, fall on the. Cessna or whatever, but I never saw us uh, because when we, when we landed, we touched down, this guy calls up and says, you know, tower, uh, bonanza, so-and-so uh, we see traffic on the runway. Like he's shocked that there's somebody on the runway <sighs> and tower goes, uh, yeah, that's the Cessna you're supposed to be following. You know, like he was clueless. Like he never saw us. He's just out there like barreling in on final and his bonanza as if, you know, following us. But it's like that kind of stuff just freaks me out. Just other I mean, people. I mean, there's there's enough reason to be nervous about people that are well-intended, knowledgeable, knowledgeable people that are naturally, actually just confused. That happens. I mean, there's enough concern around that. And then you get into sort of the, uh, you know, whatever, all the, the hazardous attitude people. Um, but I, I love the picture of this guy, 107 in a bonanza. He, like, he bought it new. It's just like a 65, and he bought it new. <laughs> yeah, he's had, right. he's had his whole life. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Lot, there's lots of good old pilots, but it's just, yeah. you know, you just get that feeling when you hear He's him, a doctor. Uh, he's like, this thing hasn't killed me yet. So. <laughs> well, why? I guess what it is is, like, don't acknowledge. You, you cannot accept a clearance to follow somebody. Like, and then lose them and then just keep barreling and then be surprised when there's somebody on the runway. Like that just shows a complete lack of awareness of your surroundings and who's where. And yeah, you know, that's kind of scary. I think. Uh, <laughs> that's see. pretty funny. Stinky weasels comment here is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. His biggest fear is I'll end up on uh, Vaz aviation for botching a solo flight horribly. Yeah. You know, when that guy, you know, when that guy gets a hold of your, uh, your ATC audio and is painting a radar, uh, trail, yeah. of you, you're, you're in trouble. You've made it. 
to the big time. <laughs> no, it is. It's funny. Like, um, I feel a certain comfort, uh, mostly flying around class Delta and, you know, I, I don't think a lot of these conversations are being, uh, at least publicly accessible. Uh, they're not, you can't get it on live ATC. And then once you get into <laughs> class, Charlie, it's like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do anything. I don't I, like, it's not even about doing something stupid with the plane. It's just about being an idiot or just saying something that is so remarkably hilarious to other people. Right. That is me just trying to do a good job. Like I just, that's I'll Larry David my way into something uh, eventually in that way. But uh, I think yeah. about that. I think about that. Like, especially when you go to, so I'm getting more and more into cases where I'm going to places I've never been and like used to really freak me out, freaks me out way less now. Like, you, you know, you kind of, you do your homework, you look at the airport diagram, you look at the, you, you know, you plan your trip, how you do, you figure out what you're doing and whatever. And so I was going to um, Toledo executive, which is like this side of Toledo. So it's like, I guess, East, Southeast of Toledo. Um, so you're not in Toledo's Charlie airspace. Like you're, it's still outside of that. And it's a non-towered field with crossing runways. Um, and I was watching it so far out and I always use my second comm radio to have like the CTAF in there and I'm listening to it like 50 miles away. Like it's a crazy, just because I can hear, you know, I just like to hear what's going on around me and whatever. There was no traffic. I mean, this airport was dead. Um, and it's also weird. You get out there where it's really flat. Like we're used to West Virginia, like it's hard to see. I mean, you know, just terrain is obstructing. Well, I was like 30 miles from the airport. I don't know, 20 miles from the airport. Um, when, um, approach said, yeah, I was on flight following and said, um, you know, you know, 20 miles, uh, 12 o'clock, 20 miles report field and site. Well, I, I had it in sight. I was like directly lined up with the main runway, which is not where I was landing. I was going to turn right to a left downwind for the crossing runway because of winds. Um, but I'm like looking for traffic and looking for traffic. And as I'm coming in here, I'm thinking to myself, like, I haven't seen another plane. I haven't heard another plane. I've been talking the whole time on CTAF and I'm calling it out. And I'm just like thinking to myself in this unfamiliar space, like turning it down across the airport and I don't see any traffic. I have these thoughts sometimes like this is this is today the day where I end up on a uh, making a fool of myself on the Internet for like doing something ridiculous. But anyway, I landed at this airport and it was deserted like there was nobody there. It was just, um, it was nice, nice place. The FBO was super helpful, but like it was a big airport, like crossing runways and the whole deal. And like grass, it's like you go to the ramp to park and there's like grass growing through the pavement and like, wow. It was, uh, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. wild, wild experience. Yeah. I, I always have that, um, anxiety if I'm, if I'm going to a non-towered field and, um, I, cause I, I trained on a non-towered field obviously and, and it was chaos. So there was just something going on on the radio at all times you get out to these remote spots and you just don't hear anything and you just you keep checking the frequency you're like is this thing on it makes me so nervous that like i'm just the only person that doesn't know how to tune a radio that day for some reason and then i'm just going to come barreling in there that's the thing that makes me nervous because i i don't like the silence the silence makes I know. me nervous yeah. i did that i kept checking i kept looking up to i'm like make sure that that's the correct frequency and it is i'm like this is really weird there's nobody here it's like this is exactly how the 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 safety the air safety institute videos always start like this it's something very benign you know like oh he just, a perfect he, vf <laughs> a perfect vfr afternoon when the pilot <laughs> departed his home field yeah exactly so charles uh charles whalen says i appreciate the name of your channel also one of the videos was so close to i guess what i felt when things get in your head yeah i know exactly the one you're talking about i had couple of those during training where I just couldn't make myself fly. 
Ivy says, uh, I feel like Harrison Ford raised the bar pretty high for mistakes when he landed on the taxiway. He's had a handful of pretty major, um, pretty major instant, uh, situations here in the last couple of years. In fact, I, that one was, that one was terribly egregious. Uh, he crashed. I didn't on know that. I didn't, oh, really? I didn't know there's more. Oh yeah. And then most recently he, uh, was given an instruction. Now there's some debate on the internet, whether the instruction was slightly unclear and there was some phraseology, maybe that wasn't exactly perfect, but he was instructed to hold short of a runway on a taxiway and he crossed in front of a landing, uh, jet um and it was fine it ended up fine but like he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be so yeah there's been a handful of uh handful of those i've always been impressed by that uh vast aviation rig- or is it or wherever the audio comes from where it's got it's his phone call to uh to the tower after the landing on the taxiway incident and when they ask him his name and he just says you know just very normally right he just says you know harrison ford and it's so funny to me that I mean you can almost tell like by the just a small pause, and then the way that he responds like okay you know, it's like the guy was trying to figure out if he was being duped or not. Uh, yeah. No way he no way he didn't know you know that name. I would exactly. Yeah. But that's got to be a weird one when you're like oh yep this recording's again he just knew the recording was going to be on the internet but yeah oh good, yeah good, good on Harrison Ford. Stephen Caldwell says, I'm both excited and nervous to do my first solo. I feel mm. like I'm ready. And then while I'm with the instructor, I have a few minor slip-ups that I start focusing on and then overthink it. How many times? Can you uh, leave that one up there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how many times, right? Constantly. I mean, it's a mental, it's a constant mental challenge. And you should think, I mean, you know, it's not like you shouldn't oversimplify flying, but also, you know, it's, um, you can get in your own head and really screw yourself up pretty good. So, uh, that was a big problem that I had. Um, and that just comes with time. I mean, that just comes with reps. It's like flying's just like anything else. I mean, it's not, except it's so much more fun than so many other things, but it's in terms of like the cur- the learning curve and like the comfort curve it's pretty much like other things uh isn't it i mean you the more reps you get the more comfortable you get and things don't bother you quite as much uh, yeah i mean i think the also just i try to always whenever i feel nervous about anything whether it's flying or just anything i always try to reframe that to be um like to change my association to that feeling to be something of something I'm proud of because it means I'm doing something new. It means I'm doing something beyond my comfort zone. And that is why I'm nervous. So nervous is sort of this indicator, uh, you know, that I'm actually doing something like this is great. So don't fret when you feel nervous, uh, be excited by the fact that you feel nervous. It, it's a, it's a signal that you're, you know, there's a fine line between nervous and mortal fear. Sometimes I understand, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, that comment, it's like, that's, I, I want to say that Pete, that's a unique uh, point of view, but it's, every, it's all of us. It's everybody. And some of that stuff doesn't even go away, right? Some of that stuff, it'll, it'll come and go. It's just part of the game. It just means you're doing something new. Yep. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Student Aviator said, great to catch the show. Sorry, I'm late. Love what your gentlemen are doing. Thank you very much. We also love what we're doing. Yeah, I don't uh, know. yeah, that's uh that's Mike. He's uh he's down in um 
uh, Alabama or no, Georgia. Sorry. And uh, it's all the same. Right. And uh, he'll kill me for yeah, that. But, a, uh, I, those are not my words. Let yeah, right no, here. No. But let me put our names I'm back up. I'm here in Tennessee. What gonna, does it matter? I'm yeah. going to put the names back up just okay. so we can remind everybody. Oh, here. right, right. Don't miss words here. But um, his training experience, uh, you know, we've been kind of keeping up with each other and it's pretty cool. Like he's he's been able to like whereas I flew in basically one plane, one instructor the whole time. He's had all these different instructors uh, flown in all kinds of different planes. Uh, he's getting quite the experience. So, um, I mean, it just goes to show, I, and, you know, in his airport, it's pretty rural, right? So he can get a lot of rep, uh, laps in the pattern and, and not a lot of hassle. And and there's, you know, he can go be a hangar rat and all that. You know what I mean? Like, whereas mm-hmm. uh, it, it costs me money every second to be anywhere near my airport, you know? Uh, but anyway, but uh, I love just how everybody's experiences can be so incredibly different uh based on where they are yep for sure i um yeah i was pretty fortunate i think in terms of uh horror stories of training i don't think uh the the most horrible part of training was uh studying you know it's not a horror story but yeah a horror story for everyone around you yeah it was it was people don't people uh that's one thing that people don't talk about very much right like uh, everybody has different uh, environments about, uh, you know, that are maybe more supportive than others for, for this pursuit. And uh, I was very lucky. Uh, you know, m- my wife is intellectually curious and and was just, she kind of studied with me. We went flying with a friend of mine uh, who was just getting ready to start flight training recently. And, uh, and she was um, amazed at how much my wife knew about all the, you know, all the things, all the terms what was going on on the radios and everything. And it's just because like it or not, she's been subject to this. Uh, and so it's sort of like embrace it because uh, otherwise resistance is futile. I tell you, and along that same line, I went Cecilia's flight in the video that's coming out next week blew my mind a little bit. We were talking about, um, she was noticing coordination and the ball and was saying things to me like i told i left there telling her like when you decide that you're you or she is so much further ahead i said you're so much further ahead than i was when i started training she said well yeah i've been i've spent 30 hours in the plane with you already like i know you know i've just picked up but she was talking about we we're talking about why rudder matters and she's just sitting over there in the seat saying so yeah so like if you if you you're if you're the plane is banked this direction, but the, it, the this axis is this way. And it's like, she, she totally, and then this wing is behind the plane. Or, you know, she totally understands the concept. So I think I said, you're going to be, when you're ready to go, you're going to have this down. You're going to have this down when you get started. I always got a kick out of uh, her um, response to flaps in your videos. Uh, and she still my, does it. My now wife, I think she's yeah. playing. Now I think she. Now yeah. I think it's her shtick, and I, I show it every time she does it because she gets a kick out of that. But like the, she hated the Ooh, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really, I got her good the other day. We were. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this will make the video. Part of the problem is she's also discovered playing her music selections th- through the intercom, and so like I realized after we did like most of this flight, there's a large section of this I'm not going to be able to use because it's just filled with completely inappropriate and copyrighted music, but. We were on our way to Stonewall, and um, I wanted to climb. We were getting ready to turn around and come back the other direction. I wanted to get, I was at like 3,500. We wanted to go to 4,500 feet. And so, like, 
we had plenty of airspeed, so I didn't want to reconfigure everything. For, so I just gave a little bit more power and like pitched way up. And so we're bleeding off speed. Like I, I, I knew what I was going to do when I got there, but like we're bleeding off speed and it's coming down. So we get up to 4,500 feet and I just push the nose and I just like push the nose forward to pick speed up. And we didn't, it was not a zero G situation, but it was enough where like you could just kind of feel like, Ooh. and she's like, Oh no, no, no. I mm-hmm. said, well, you didn't like that. I did that on purpose. I said, no, don't do that again. I said, okay, uh-huh. well, I thought it was kind of cool, but yeah. Not the, none of the, none of the, uh, light in the seat feeling for her. No, she's not a fan. Flaps do it to her too. She's, she doesn't like those sensations. So your, 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 your wife was a a trooper on your, your big trip. Uh, and I enjoyed those videos. Um, and you know, those are the people that keep us safe, right? She's, she's watching out for stuff. She's not, you know, a passive passenger. No, she, um, she certainly doesn't like it yet you know it's not uh she's not enjoying the time in the plane like my daughter um but she's definitely observant like she caught a couple things not all of these made the non-patron videos but she caught the um we have a jpi that freaks out on the ground an engine monitor that like when it gets low voltage it resets and it was flashing before we left and um, but we were just taxiing on the runway to take off at Lewisburg and she's like pointing at that thing with huge eyes. I'm like, no, that's okay. I mean, that one does that sometimes. And then she asked me on the way back, she was just noticing the carb temp gauge, you know, it spends a lot of time in the, in the, in the danger arc and that's normal, you know, just, that's where the temperature lives. And she's like, is our car, is, is our carb temp okay? You know, I said, well, I mean, yeah, it's. it is what it is, especially in the Piper, you know, it's, uh, no carb heat unless it's needed, you know, indications of carb ice, which is a weird thing. You know, you train and train and train in the 172, right? And it's like anytime you're under whatever it is, 2100 in our plane, like carb heat on. And um, the Piper, it's never on. Yeah, it's, you never use it, uh, which is, took me a little while to feel okay with. But I, it's, you know, it's by design. Well, you spent, you spent so much time being nervous about carb heat that now the, the, the Cherokee's <laughs> kind of taken that away from you. I did. That was one of my... That was one of my carb carb ice was one of my big fears. Hey, I mean it's it's legit. I mean it's it's you know anything that keeps the engine from running is something to be aware of. Let's see here. Yeah, Stephen Caldwell. In my skydiving days, we used to ask the pilot to do zero g maneuvers. It's such a fun and weird experience. Yeah, I, it's uh, it is pretty cool. Well, that's what I've got, Brian. What about you? Well, so I guess you want to fill up an hour, don't you? That's you, we got to be consistent and have a sixty-minute podcast. No, I mean I can I can play some beats. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot. No, Here, Brian. Just, no, 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 gonna, you, no, no. Okay, are you gonna do it on the way out for us? We're gonna have no. This is this is it's gonna trend in the wrong direction. This is not where this needs to go. Like we, okay. we have a, we have a good thing going, and we don't need to let my uh, exceedingly nerdy vanity into this in some way that will, uh, just cause problems. But, but, uh, but no, but I, I wanted to point out though, that, uh, who was it here? It was, um, Oh, one dull geek. He's just talking about how, uh, his inter- your interactions with uh, your daughter, are some of the best parts of your channel. I fully agree. Um, you know, when I did, when I was on one of your first, uh, chats or whatever, I was just like, it was like meeting a celebrity, like, you know, she was, she was there and it was like, it was the coolest thing. I'm her biggest fan. My wife's huge fan. We're just huge fans. Like she's, she's got the, the thing, right? Like she's got the star quality. So 
how, like, you know, how are you going to, uh, as a father, isn't it like t- important to sort of keep her grounded or does she, does she know that she's a star yet? Um, I think she, yeah. I mean, I think she, but she's completely, that is her complete authenticness. Like she's not yeah. a, she's not making anything up for it, you know, and people call her out. I mean, I don't publish every comment that comes in cause you know, on two fronts, I don't publish some of them that want to talk about like, uh, um, your wife or your daughter's, your daughter's incredibly bored, you know, like she, or the, my favorites, like they should smile more, you know, oh, that's the those most... are the ones that make me want to just Ooh. reach through the internet and like yes. wring someone's neck and break yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so I don't publish everything that comes in, but like that is, if you've not been around like a teenage girl lately, that, that is the vibe, you know, like that's the, that's the mode. Nothing is overly big and excited. Not, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, it's the, not, it's not cool to be excited about things at a certain age. No. Like, I, do, I don't know if you were like this. Uh, I remember being at the, uh, this is really good podcast material, by the way, but I remember being at the mall with my family, you know, when I was maybe in eighth grade or something and doing the thing where like you, you you're trying to walk like six feet behind them. Like you're, you're fully with them. It's right. no one's, no one's going to mistake that. Like I drove myself there. I'm still like, obviously a kid, but for whatever reason, like that differentiation, individuation stuff has to happen as a kid where you're like, I've got to separate myself from this clan and figure out who I am. So the, the best idea I have, if, you know, 12 years old, it's like, I'm going to walk, you know, eight feet behind my family. Like I'm here by myself. So, um, you know, there's every age has its phases like that, but it, I never like I never thought that she was bored. I think that there's a lot of people too that are it it's it, a lot to take in, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um and so people have different responses and you know to be unnecessarily or giddy or overly excitable for uh, you know uh that's not really I mean sh- I think she's just sitting there and she's just I just see her as like she's just taking everything in and clearly she's picked up all of that and uh and you know i don't i don't see her as yeah disinterested uh and that's a ridiculous uh the smile more thing uh, oh goodness uh, yeah yeah flare too high geeks. yeah oh yeah i've been there i Fergie said i flared too high on my check ride and dropped it on the runway hard thought my dpe was going to fail me for sure he wasn't happy but let me continue and said don't do that again um, I had a joke with, um, I cut so much, just full transparency. I cut some stuff out of the, uh, Oshkosh trip. Of course it was, you know, five hours each way. So it wasn't all going to make it, but like, um, Cody and I had nicknames for each other. Uh, and he, by the end of the trip, he called me roundup because in that Cherokee I kept, and I, I still have a tendency to be high, you know, and flare. The good news is I'm always too fast as well. So I have plenty of time to like fix that problem. But, uh, I was, um, yeah, round I, was up. Ra- I was round up cause I was always rounding out, uh, up above the, uh, up above the runway. Is this more of a Cherokee thing? Yeah, it has to do with, I'm still convinced it just has to do with getting used to the difference, how it looks, you know, to me and the 172 versus the Cherokee, the last few. And here's another thing that it led to it was these guys are going to, if Kevin, some of these guys are still here, they're going to mock me for this, but like, um, the yoke we had a we had a it was it was sticky you know where it goes into the panel and it just needed cleaned and re 
lubricated with some special oh, stuff. Oh, well, listen. Oh, it was to, God. It, it was to the point where, like, you kidding. would round out and you could let go of the yoke and it would stay, it would stick where it was. Like, you had to push through it to get it to be, like, where it was. Yeah. And so I was yep. just fighting that. And see, Kevin's laughing. But it changed. It Since I fixed it before our trip to Lewisburg, uh, I've been in a much better place uh, with it. So Grease for greasers. That's right. That's right. The yoke can't be sticking. So there's a lot of skydiving conversation going on here. What's happening with this? Uh, 500 jumps. Some of these guys are crazy. I've done uh, three. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was 30... I did the AFF program and made it three jumps into it and then quit because I it was I had to go all the way to Atlanta Skydiving Center and I mean I just didn't have the gusto to to finish it. Um but I, my whole thing was like I'm not gonna jump out of an airplane strapped to some hungover hippie dude that wishes that I was the hot girl of the group, you know, or whatever. Like I'm not I'm gonna take the advanced <laughs> free fall course and I'm going to like my thing is like uh and I imagine a lot of people here are like this. I want to know as much about what I'm doing as possible. I don't want to just trust and just, you know, so especially jumping out of an airplane. So the wild thing about doing the FF program is that your first jump, uh, you know, you have to kind of run the skydive with two coaches and then they jump out and they kind of hold you. So you're stable. So when you're, you know, in free fall, you're not just all over the place. Uh, and you do a couple of things that you have to do for that to pass that level. And then they separate from you and then you wave off and then you pull. So my thing was I, I waved off and I pulled at about 5,500 feet and I'd never been under a canopy before. I'd never been under a parachute. And so I, it opens up all of a sudden things are super quiet and they had already showed you aerial photos of the airport and how to recognize where you were. So the chute opens up and I'm looking around. I don't see the airport and I kind of turn around this way. You know, I'm looking, I don't see the airport. I come around this way. I'm looking. I'm like, oh my God, they, they're like, where, where <laughs> am I? Like, I'm gonna have to land in some farmer's field, my first jump. Where, what did, what did I do wrong? And then it was like, oh, wait a minute, turn all the way around behind you. Oh, there it is. Um, and, uh, but anyway, the advanced free fall course was, was pretty, pretty wild thing to do. Uh, but, uh, that was the way I did it. Three, 13,500 feet, 60 seconds of free fall. And I wish I would have finished it. And cause I don't, here's the thing. Like I didn't, I, at 30, I still had some of that, whatever energy left to do things like that. And if I didn't cement that as something habitually that I did, then it's not going to happen now. Uh, and especially now, cause flying is, uh, you know, taking all of my time and attention and most importantly money. Yep. One, one dog geek is asking, did you not have a radio? Yeah. They always gave him one way radios from the ground to talk to students. Oh yeah. They yelled at me a lot on that radio. Um, uh, as I came in, I uh, talking about this might I was talking about flaring too high. Um, also when you're landing in a parachute, you want to be careful. Uh, what I did was I flared too late, which is really dangerous because you kind of pendulum yourself right into the earth if you're not careful. And I had come in and they were yelling at me. I flared a little too late. And then, um, instead of putting, I was, I, I kind of had a lot of speed coming in and I was afraid to put my feet down because I thought that I was just going to get just dragged along like a rag doll for a quarter mile. So I kind of, my instinct was to pick my feet up and almost like sit in the air as I was coming in 
to kind of just make it as I kind of made the flare. And my instructor yelled at me so bad because uh, that's how people, you know, compress their spinal cords. Uh, uh, yeah. And so, um, but it was just an instinct. There's so many things like that where I'm like, how did I survive that? I don't know. But I'll do the safe thing. Just fly around in a Cessna for right now. Yeah, safe. Safe is relative. But yeah, I mean, it is definitely safer than I would think jumping out of one. Well, you definitely learned the uh, uh, the slow is fast, you know, that whole idea, you know, Um, you definitely learned that in skydiving where it's like, if your parachute doesn't open, you know, they say like sort of count to five and then go look and see if anything's going on. But when you're falling for the first time, you're like, one, two, three, four, five. And then you're just looking like, you know, uh, (laughs) you learn slow is fast. So I got some good lessons out of it that I think apply to some of the aviation, other aviation considerations, but um, not something I'll do again. Have you ever done it? Do you ever want to do it? Nope. And no, no, I don't think so. I, uh, it just doesn't interest me. Of course, I also never thought I would be interested in, I mean, I always was interested in flying, but I was also pretty scared of the idea. So, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Um, the whole parachute thing just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. The same thing with like base jumping and, you know, um, jump bungee jumping and that kind of stuff. It's not, not really in my, not in my alley. Yeah, it's weird. I'm like, not a thrill seeker. I mean, really, I'm really not. And people say, well, you fly a little airplane. I say, well, that's not really, that's not really that. I don't think that's not really that. That's not kind of that adrenaline thing. Like, yeah. Know. There are, do you have any interest in doing aerobatics? Um, yeah, no, not really. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to with Tyler. I'm going to, because it's his plane and we'll do it. It'll make a great video. You know I mean? That'll be some good content. Oh, yeah. I'll do it. I'm going to do it for the content. For the content. I'm, I'm going to be an, it's going to be hilarious. I'm certain I'll probably do it once and that'll be it. Oh, but I want to. Okay. Well, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for that. So, uh, well, uh, we can probably wrap this up here now. I appreciate everybody chiming in with, uh, their great stories. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, we'll, uh, definitely, um, leave some comments in here, leave some topic ideas if you'd like, uh, for future use. I think we can always add them to the database of things we've got planned here, uh, coming up, but yeah. What do you want us to talk about? We'll talk about it. Yeah. Leave them in there and, um, remember to check for the audio versions, get it wherever you get your podcasts and, uh, wait, you have to play music going out. I mean, that's, oh, I'm okay. not going to let you go without doing it. In fact, here, I'm going to full screen you. In fact, oh, we're going to just, we're going to play yeah. out here, play, play, play out with Brian on the way out. You can check okay. out, uh, check out his sick beats as it oh, were. Geez. Thanks for potting tonight. It was fun. Yeah.